Hello and welcome to another edition of Flashpoint. I'm your host, Ryan Mills. AFPM recently released a report highlighting the need for investment in midstream infrastructure in order to capitalize on and create a sustained energy renaissance in the United States. One example presented in the report involves the Port of Corpus Christi. The port, which sits at a strategic point along the Gulf Coast, has seen a surge of energy export activity in recent years, resulting in increased traffic and the need for new pipelines and other facility projects. Here to discuss the port and the refining of petrochemical industries midstream is Sean Strawbridge, Chief Executive Officer at the Port of Corpus Christi. Sean, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Sean, could we start by having you tell our listeners a bit more about the Port of Corpus Christi and how you enable energy uh, products to move about? Well, Ryan, the Port of Corpus Christi is strategically located, as you said, uh, between um, Mexico and Houston. Uh, And our proximity to two of the largest energy producing fields, uh, the Eagleford Shale and the Permian Basin, uh, position the port uh, quite well uh, as a gateway for the international markets. Uh, We are a fairly diverse port. Uh, in that we handle a multitude of commodities, so we're what we call an omniport. Uh, We have a tremendous amount of crude oil that moves through our our port facilities. We do a fair amount of NGLs, propane, butanes, and others. Uh, We also have a fairly sizable refining center, uh, about a million uh, placard barrels of refining capacity, a million barrels a day. Uh, And we also have a tremendous amount of other commodities, petrochemicals, polymers, steel. Uh, So we're what's called an omniport. We are primarily an export port, uh, about two to one our volume, two to one export versus import. And and from a volumetric standpoint, uh, we're the fourth largest in the country in excess of 100 million revenue tons a year. So uh, we're a uh, we're a growing port, uh, and we feel uh, pretty good about the narrative that we have going forward as this country, as you said, is experiencing the energy renaissance. We feel pretty comfortable uh, about our position and our future uh, to play uh, a strategic part in that renaissance. You've got a lot of expansion and growth projects ongoing at the port, uh, such as the Harbor Bridge and Channel Deepening, among others. Can you give us some of the details on those? Certainly. Uh, the Ports are waypoints. In other words, we're not origins or destinations. We're usually waypoints for goods movement. And goods have to move fluid, fluidly in order to, be, uh, to move competitively. Uh, and so what we've seen over the last uh, couple decades is vessel technologies have advanced significantly. Vessels have gotten larger. Uh, they are drawing more water, they're carrying more goods, and so infrastructure has really struggled globally to keep up with this, uh, this emerging, these emerging vessel technologies, whether it's container ships or cruise ships, or in our case, uh, bulk tankers. And so we've got to do our part to build the necessary infrastructure to handle uh, those larger ships if we want to remain competitive. Uh, just like the Panama Canal did. A lot of people have talked about the Panama Canal and its expansion. Uh, the reason the Panama Canal expanded was not, uh, they, they themselves, that was not the game changer. The game changer is the vessels and, and Panama, the Panamanian government recognized that if they did not make those investments uh, to be able to handle those larger ships, uh, then they would be relegated to a niche player in the global trade lanes. Uh, and so it's been an arms race for ports Uh, around the world uh, to build the necessary and supporting infrastructure. Uh, We're very fortunate, again, because we've got 
uh, our position relative to two of the largest largest uh, energy producing fields makes us an attractive area for uh, not only our investment in the infrastructure but our customers investments and right now there's over 50 billion dollars with a b of uh, private industrial projects that are in various stages of construction and or completion around uh, the Corpus Christi ship channel, including some of your members such as Exxon and and um, uh, Valero and Chenier uh, with their LNG facility and Oxy uh, with their Ingleside uh, Energy Center. Uh, so we're seeing tremendous investment there uh, as this country uh, continues to forge a path for uh, what I'm going to call energy resiliency. Uh, we are on track to be a net exporter of our energy production by 2022. The last time this country was a net exporter of its energy production was 1953. So uh, this is certainly a, uh, an interesting time to be in the industry. A lot has been made of the VLCC, or Very Large Crude Carrier Loading Facility, under construction at Corpus, as currently only the Louisiana offshore oil port uh, can handle VLCCs. What does its construction mean for your port and for the industry? Well, certainly, as I said, you've got to be able to handle the larger classification of vessels. Uh, the big energy uh, consumption markets are, of course, in Asia. Uh, Asia is demanding these larger vessels uh, as they demand larger uh, single shipments of, of, of crude or finished products. And so the very large crude carriers is just another uh, element that we want to put into our portfolio to continue to make our customers competitive. Um, Loop uh, is uh, primarily designed to handle the offshore production. Uh, Loop does have some advantages in that it is uh, deep water and can handle VLCs today, VLCCs today. But uh, Loop is also limited in that it's primarily set up for that offshore production. And today the economics of say a Permian barrel uh, don't make sense uh, going to Loop. Uh, the transportation costs, the incremental transportation costs to move a barrel uh, over to loop uh, far exceed uh, whatever savings you may have by loading a VLCC at loop. Uh, and, and Asian customers want, uh, they're very particular uh, in, in what their, uh, their, their wants are. They want a segregated barrel, they want a very narrow spec, uh, they may want some specific blending. Uh, and Loop doesn't afford that. Uh, Loop uses the, uh, the the salt caverns as its storage, uh, and it's about 50 million barrels, I believe, is the uh, uh, the capacity there. So you get a fairly wide spec. You, you pretty much get what you get when you buy a Loop barrel. Um, when you're buying a barrel through Corpus, you know it's an Eagleford barrel or you know it's a Permian barrel. Uh, we have a tremendous amount of segregation capability. So it's a neat barrel, and that's really what the Asian... Uh, consumer uh, wants. They, they're, they're very, uh, uh, very uh, demanding uh, in that. So we like that from our standpoint. We like that positioning for us. Uh, but VLCCs uh, also demand about 75 feet of water, and we're currently embarking on a 54-foot uh, deepening project. So we've still got a ways to go to get to 75 feet to fully load a VLCC. And until we can get there, uh, we have to partially load the VLCCs and then we have to reverse lighter them offshore, uh, which certainly adds some cost to that, uh, uh, that, that uh, type of operation. Uh, our goal is to try and have VLCC-capable facilities to load fully laden uh, somewhere in the next three to five years. Uh, my board just approved a, uh, an engagement with AECOM, a, a large 
uh, engineering firm uh, to do a feasibility study uh, and do the environmental impact statement and, and obtain the core permits for us. Uh, and our goal is to get all of that done in the next 12 months. The Port of Corpus brings together almost all aspects of infrastructure. Can you talk a bit about the permitting process and do you see any opportunities to improve the permitting process? Well, if you're talking about the permitting, permitting process, excuse me, if you're talking about the permitting process for the Army Corps of Engineers, uh, there's a lot of work to be done there. Uh, it is a fairly uh, lengthy process, particularly if you are planning on having the Corps do the work. Uh, is there opportunity for improvement there? Certainly. Uh, and we're working with the lawmakers to make some adjustments in the word of legislation uh, that will allow for what we believe is a, a more streamlined permit, permitting process if we wanted to actually do the work ourselves. Uh, as it relates to uh, permitting on the uplands operations, uh, the Texas uh, Commission on Environmental Quality, uh, they do a pretty good job of permitting uh, they're pretty user-friendly uh, relative to some other states. I'm a, I'm a native Californian, but I'm, I'm Texan by choice, and I can assure you my time in California uh, certainly taught me a lesson in what not to do. Uh, and so we're, we're pretty happy with the relationship that we have with the TCEQ, and, uh, and we work very well with them and with our customers, and we, oftentimes we act as a, a go-between between our customers and, and the state agencies to help facilitate uh, the permitting there, uh, but certainly at the federal level, there is more to be done. What have been some of the challenges you have encountered during the port's growth, and what can state and federal governments do to facilitate growth in our midstream sector in ports like Corpus? Well, the port of Corpus Christi is a government agency, and but we're unique in that we're an independent political district of the state of Texas, um, and we uh, operate as a for-profit agency and enterprise fund. But unlike private industry, our profits are not distributed to shareholders. We have no shareholders. Our shareholders are our customers and the stakeholders and the users of the port. And so we take those profits and we reinvest them into infrastructure to support commerce uh, and economic development and economic growth in the region. But we certainly want to do that in a responsible, sustainable way. Uh, and so working, as I said, with the TCQ or the EPA uh, to ensure that uh, we don't have too much regulation, but we are also demonstrating stewardship, which is going above and beyond just what's required, is something that we certainly promote and certainly help our customers with. One of the things that I've recognized is in, uh, if you look at surface transportation projects in this country, the Department of Transportation, Federal Highway Administration, grants dollars to the states and the states execute on those projects. So Texas uh, Department of Transportation receives about $4 billion a year of federal money that it uses to execute on Texas state transportation, surface transportation projects. When it comes to maritime infrastructure, it's quite different. The federal government allocates funds to the Army Corps of Engineers and it's the Army Corps of Engineers that does that work. And unfortunately, the Army Corps of Engineers is an extremely uh, overburdened, under-resourced agency. And until we see some major changes in the way that they do business, uh, we're likely going to see, <coughs> excuse me, a difficulty in them being able to execute on the projects that the midstream sectors uh, and ports need. Well, Sean, thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure.